um, no matter what you believe and no matter what you've done, we want RUF to, to feel welcoming to you. And um, RUF, as I've said before, is just one of the many campus ministries at Wofford trying to walk alongside you and your faith at Wofford. College years are formative, and we just want to be available. And so if I haven't met you, if Caroline hasn't met you in person, we would love to meet you. And at some point, especially now when we can meet in person, we would love to meet in person with you. It's a part of our job we take very seriously. And so please reach out. Um, our info, um, Caroline, if you could put um, our phone numbers in the chat. Um, I forgot to remind you to do that. That would be helpful. Text us, call us, and we'd love to get together for coffee or, or a meal. But uh, RUF stands for Reformed University Fellowship, and we're a company of people. We're imperfect, but we're trying to figure out what it looks like to love God and love others and love Wofford. But more fundamentally, we are bound by the reality that before we love God, before we love Wofford, before we love our neighbors, God loves us. And so it's only in basking in the love of God that we live a life of love. And this semester, we've been going through the Psalms of Ascent. We've been calling this series a song, Songs for the Road. Songs for the Road, because these Psalms we're looking at this semester, Psalms 120 to 134, these small group of Psalms where God's people in the Old Testament would gather together, and they would go on this hiking trip to Jerusalem, to the temple to worship. And on their way, on this long journey, this long hiking trip, these are the songs that they would sing. And it's informative for us because the Christian life, this image we've been sinking our teeth in to is this journey, this road trip image. That is the Christian life. It is not overnight. It's not an errand that we run. It's a journey that we enter. And so far, we've kind of gone all over the place. This, These Psalms of Ascent go, really cover all kinds of ground, as it were. So we've talked about help. What does it mean to ask for help in the Christian life? Ask God for help, ask others for help. Um, what does worship look like? Um, what does it look like to um, have memory where we reflect back on God's acts in the past that we might have hope in the future? And tonight we're talking about praise. Praise. Psalm 124 is all about praise. Um, now, the practice of praise, I don't know what image you have in your mind when I say the word praise, or maybe you have two words in mind, praise and worship. Maybe you have like a, a genre of music in mind when I say praise. Maybe you think of a worship service um, where it's all very moving and it's dimly lit and people have their hands raised or people are crying. Maybe you have people kneeling. Uh, maybe you actually think of um, professional athletes and actresses being praised for performing at a high level because, uh, as you and I both know, the, the practice of praise is not exclusive to the worship center or the mosque or the temple. Um, it's in everyday life. We do this all the time. We praise actresses and athletes in those ways. We praise um, our favorite restaurants and coffee shops and baristas and James Beard award-winning um, chefs for the, their craftsmanship to make a beautiful meal for us. We praise people all the time. We also love receiving praise. We love receiving, receiving praise. Um, the legendary manager of Dunder Mifflin Paper Company Michael Scott loves to receive praise. This is what he said. If you've seen The Office, maybe you've heard 
St. Michael say these words before. Do I need to be liked? Absolutely not. I like to be liked. I enjoy being liked. I have to be liked, but it's not this compulsive need to be liked, like my need to be praised. Very close to home for me is an Enneagram 2, just saying. Um, can identify with Michael on so many levels. Very hard to admit, but Psalm 124 is getting at this idea of praise. It's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and it is, like so many of these words we've talked about this semester, it's a churchy word. It's an old word. And frankly, it's a word with baggage. And so my goal tonight is not just thinking about praise when it comes to your devotional life and your life in a congregation or in Macmillan Theater on Tuesday nights on Zoom with RUF, but also in your relationships on campus, the way that you interact with staff at Wofford. I hope that you can see that the all of Christian life is a life of praise. I'm going to read the passage and then I'm going to pray and we'll walk through it. This is God's words, friends. He's spoken to us. He's not silent. He's spoken because he loves us. He doesn't speak to give us a theology exam to ace or rules to follow. Let's hear him. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us up as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Let me pray briefly. Lord, this is uh, your word. It's living and active. We know that's true because you are living and active, and yet our minds are busy and our hearts are restless. And so we do ask that by your spirit, you would slow us down. We will not hear you if you don't. I will not hear you if you don't calm me down. I do ask that... Um, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing to you. And that would we be both hearers and doers of your word. In Christ's name, amen. All right, game plan is this. First, two points. First is praising God with song. And second, praising God in life. Praising God with song, praising God in life. And really what I'm, I'm trying to get at it with those two points to show my cards on the front end. I thought about saying praising God at church and praising God on Zoom. And what I mean by that is, is that the life of praise, the life of praising God involves your songs that you, and your prayers and your devotional life and at church on a Sunday in a large group on Tuesday nights. Yes, it does. That's where mine usually goes. It also involves what we'll see, living all of life to the glory and honor and worship of God. And so that's where we're going tonight. So let's do the first one. Praising God with song. Praising God with song. King David wrote this song. He wrote all kinds of psalms. Um, and this song is, or this psalm is a psalm of praise. It's a psalm of praise. You might know that the psalms, there's 150 of them. It was Israel's hymn book. It was their, it was their hymnal. 
When they got together for corporate worship, this is the songbook that they had. And just like any record or an album, there's all kinds of genres of songs. I've said this before. Think of the country music album, the classic country music album of Garth Brooks or, you know, OG Taylor Swift or whatever, you know. You have the breakup song. You have the sort of like drunken stupor song, like Friday Night Football song. You have the stereotypical country music album songs. And in the Psalter, the songbook of God's people, the Psalms, you have Psalms of Lament, Psalms celebrating God's law, Psalms crying out for justice, Psalms of Lament or complaint. And then you have tons of Psalms of praise. Psalms of Lament of complaint are actually the most common and right behind it, or psalms of praise, which is exactly what this is. And so in the psalms of praise, if you're familiar with reading the psalms at all, if you grew up in church or if you've used them devotionally, you have shouting and singing and clapping and dancing and crying, and there's a myriad of instruments being used like tambourines and horns, and it's because God's people can't help but praise their God. They can't help but praise their God. And that's what David is concerned about tonight in Psalm 124, praise. And while I don't want to say everything that the Bible says about praise, because there's no way I could in one talk, and Psalm 124 doesn't cover it all, I do think it lets us into a window of a couple things. The first things is this. First thing about a life of praise, praise with song, is this. Praising God involves praising Him for His deeds. Praising God involves praising him for his deeds. And that's what David is doing. He's trying to get everyone in on this. He's praising God for rescuing his people. God is to be praised. Why? Because he has rescued us. He's rescued us. In verse 1, if you'll look there, he's essentially saying, David goes, if God had not been on our side, that's sort of the refrain. He repeats it. You know, David loves repetition, trying to get our attention. If God had not been on our side, then something bad would have happened. Our enemies and danger would have destroyed us. We've been swallowed up by life in a fallen world. Because life in a fallen world is broken and it is dangerous, David knows this and he's been rescued and he has an ancestry of of God's people with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of his people are a people who have been rescued by God. And so that's why he's singing. That's why he's praising. And if you are familiar with the Old Testament at all, you know God's covenant people, Israel, had enemies. They had real enemies. It's not figurative like metaphorical language here. Nations like Egypt desired nothing short of the demise of Israel, and God rescued them from Egyptian bondage and death. And David goes on. He, he doesn't stop here about enemies. He's basking in God's rescuing work in verses 4 and 5, if you look there, by praising God for rescuing them from raging waters. He's using this imagery of, of a flood, of a raging water that would drown you if, you don't, if you're not careful. You'd be swept away by it. You'd be drowned. And as I was studying this, I couldn't help but think of the Old Testament story of Jonah when I read this. And if you recall, this rebellious prodigal prophet jumps into the sea and almost drowns as a result. And what happens? God, in his mercy, rescues Jonah miraculously with swallowing him with a fish 
And then in the belly of the fish, we're told, Jonah 2, Jonah chapter 2 gets at this idea where Jonah in the belly of the fish is praising God. Why? He's been rescued. That's why. And that's why he says things like this. This is Jonah. Jonah prayed to the Lord from the belly of the fish, and he said, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. It sounds just like Psalm 124. All your waves and your billows passed over me. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. And he goes on. And he says, yet you brought my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord. And he concludes, paraphrasing, this is Jonah quoted, salvation belongs to the Lord. Put another way, God has rescued me, so I've got to sing. That's Jonah. That's Psalm 124. Praising God in the Christian life involves praising God for his deeds. David is not praising God. I want you to hear this. He's not praising God for abstract attributes. God has these immutable, like very almost indescribable attributes that are hard for us to get our minds around. And those are true of God, his omnipotence and omniscience. Those things are true. Those are orthodox doctrines of the faith for sure. But they're very abstract. They're hard for us to get. That's not what David is doing here. He does that in other places. He is saying, how has God acted on my behalf concretely in the flesh rescuing me? That's why I'm singing. And so there's a specificity to him naming how God has rescued him. That's how he's singing. And so I want to ask you this. Um, how have you been rescued? And recall if you've had one, have you ever had kind of a close call near-death experience? Um, many of you have. Um, I suspect many of you have come extremely close to having a car accident at some point, maybe like a fatal one, and it felt like you were inches away from crashing and injury and maybe even death. Maybe you've had an experience where you forgot, you forgot an assignment or a paper. You wake up and you show up to class and the professor says, all right, it's time to turn these bad boys in and it was not on your radar at all. Maybe you've had this experience before. And maybe, and in your panic, you were refreshed by the professor being gracious to you and giving you an extension this has this happened to you before happened to me a lot uh, the christian life is a life where you get caught up in and bask in the rescuing work of jesus and you bask in it to such a degree where you have that sigh of relief when you've kind of had a close call in life when you've missed the car accident when you've got an extension on some sort of deadline there's this relief there's this calm and there's oftentimes singing involved. It's a celebratory experience. Praising God means specifically acknowledging the redeeming work that God has done for us. It's a life saying things like, if God had not saved me from my addiction, I would have spiraled out of control. I know I would have. If God had not rescued me and giving me patience with my roommate when I was running out of it, then our friendship might be over. If God had not calmed my anxiety, then I would have not been able to function. 
If God had not saved me from an abusive relationship, I don't know where I would be today. If God had not provided a good counselor or friend when I was at the end of my rope, there's no telling what kind of loneliness I would be experiencing right now. If Jesus had not defeated sin and death with his cross and resurrection, then sin and death would still have a hold and last word over my life. If God had not rescued me, where would I be? How has God rescued you in those ways? What specific ways? I want to invite you to actually reflect on those things. Devotionally, in community with your friends. The Psalms are full of joyful songs because they're singing songs as they're getting caught up in and basking in God's love. And let me say this before we move on to the second point. I have seen God work like this in your life. For many of you, especially those who are juniors and seniors who I've walked with for a few years now, God has rescued you from a lot. Not just sin and death. He's definitely done that with Jesus, and he's enough for you. He's also, like, he's also answered your prayers so specifically, and he's rescued you for so much. I actually want to invite you to reflect back on those things and give voice to those things and praising God. Let's go to the second one. Praising God in life or praising God on Zoom. Praising God in life. Okay, praise is not an occasional act. I want to say that. Praise in the Christian life, you might think only Sunday, only Tuesday nights at McMillan pre-COVID, only Tuesday nights on this sort of discussion-based Zoom thing we're doing on Tuesday nights with large group. It's not occasional. Praise for the Christian is daily. It's every day. It's not just something in a prayer closet or a devotional Bible reading plan. It's all of life. It's an ongoing practice, and I would say even a posture of the Christian life. Because according to the Christian life, you and I were made precisely to praise God in every area of life, in every area. With your words and your actions, prayers and songs, friendships and families, you were made to live a life praising God. And this, honestly, y'all, means that life is not fundamentally about you. Shocker. Shocker for me. Convicting to say out loud. That means the goal of your life is not fundamentally about finding your happiness or finding your joy or fitting in with a friend group. The opening chapters of the Bible say it this way. Look, God created the world, and when he created the world, he created it and he called it good. He created the world by the word of his power, by speaking All kinds of stuff started popping up. Trees were going everywhere. God looked at what he made, and he called it good over and over and over again. Then he made man in his own image. He made Adam and Eve to dwell with him in perfect communion, to fill the earth with his glory. Why? By praising him in thought, word, and deed. Not in a devotional life sense. Of course they wanted to do that. In song, but also tending the garden and naming the animals. For humanity, every part of life in Eden was to give praise to God. It wasn't this deal of like, all right, I'm going to name the animals and tend the garden in order to get recognition and build my resume and praise for myself. Rather, I'm going to name the animals and tend the garden and do this Eden stuff to point to God, to to live a life that points away from myself. John the Baptist, Baptist says it this way. I love this summary. He summarizes, in a lot of ways, what was intended in Eden. He must increase. He must increase. Jesus must. And I must decrease. That's it. That's Eden. 
That's the point. But when sin entered in the world in Genesis 3, what happened? Life went from being oriented toward praising God to revolving around what? Our glory, our praise, our agenda, our pleasure, our control. We were made, though, for so much more. We were made for more than that. We were made for lives that point away from ourselves, not to ourselves. Who do we point to? To the one who has rescued us. Why? Because he's rescued us and he's so gracious. Why has he rescued us? Because he loves us. He adores you. That's why we, it's not to earn anything. Let me be very clear about that. This is simply out of gratitude. You are praising God not to get on his good side. You are praising God simply by saying with your life, with your songs, thank you, period. It's not to earn anything. And don't let anyone tell you that it is to earn anything. I've been thinking about um, my dad a lot more these days. My dad was in town this weekend. And um, I was thinking about him and I was thinking about my older brother who passed away from uh, stage four colon cancer a couple of years ago. And my, bro- my dad came in town really for us to, to spend time together to essentially grieve together, to be honest. And it was wonderful. Um, we had tons of fun together. We laughed. We watched Office reruns together, which was amazing. We actually watched that episode that I quoted, which is why I used it tonight. And I, the more I thought about my dad being with him and, and thinking about my brother too, a couple themes in both of their lives that I've always been drawn to, they're so utterly selfless. They're utterly selfless, and so they li- they're very different people, but they both in thought, word, and deed fundamentally lived lives that pointed away from themselves, sacrificial, selfless lives. And let me just say this. If I were to ask you, like, name a couple people or imagine a couple people in your mind that are selfless, I guarantee you no, they might not be able to, like, work a room super extroverted type. Maybe they are, but people are drawn to selfless people. You're probably drawn to them. You have been compelled by them. You've been changed by their relationship with you. I've been changed by the selfless life of my dad, watching him live. I've been changed by my brother's selfless life. They lived not for their own glory. They wanted none of it. They didn't want attention. They wanted to point outside of themselves. It is so utterly attractive. And y'all, we live in a thoroughly narcissistic culture. Let me be, be very clear about that. We just do. That is the water that we swim in. And part of how we can experience that in the college years is like the point of Wofford College in your four years is your resume, your friend group, your student organizations, your agenda, your planner. And y'all, it is not. If you're a Christian and you're on the way, this journey following Jesus, it is not. And look, we're all on the spectrum of narcissism, <laughs> like not the clinical terms, but just like navel gazing as St. Augustine, the church father called it. We're always turning in on ourselves because that's what sin has done to us. I'm there. I'm there with you. But we were called to live a life that points away from ourselves to God. Isn't this how Jesus lived? You'll see this theme in the Psalms. I've, I've, I hope you've gotten this this semester. Everything that the Psalms call us to, Jesus somehow in his life, death, and resurrection embodied it. He fulfilled it. 
Jesus fulfilled everything that the law and the prophets in the Old Testament calls us to. Jesus fulfilled it. Jesus lived a life praising his Father. Jesus did not live a life fundamentally about himself in this narcissistic Western culture way. He lived a life fundamentally zooming in on others and zooming in on his Father's will, always. Scanning the room for who is around him who might experience his love and zooming in on you with cross and resurrection when he took your sin away from you and paid for it that you might be free and rescued. That is what he's done. All right, I want to suggest two things before we go into groups, okay? There's all kinds of things we can say about this passage in terms of application to chew on together. I just want to say two things. First is this, okay? I'm just going to say this. Praise takes practice. Praise takes practice. And what I mean by that is that praise in the Christian life, and I fundamentally mean it on this first point, the praise in the, in the pew, in the church, and also your devotional life, large group, community, okay? Praise takes practice. It's repetitive. You're just showing up. And that is good. And that is normal. David Taylor says this, that actually the result of repetitive praise results in gratitude and joy. This is what he says. David Taylor says, joy is most fundamentally a response to the experience of God's rescue. You get caught up in God's love and his rescuing work for you and you praise him in thought, word, and deed, but in song, in the context of worship. You do that long enough, joy will come. Your heart will follow your words. You, set, you fake it till you make it, some people say, right? Your heart will follow your words. While a song of praise, Taylor continues, may erupt from a spontaneous outburst of affection for God, joy will also require a decision. Listen to this. Over and over again, the psalmist praises God despite his feelings. Joy is a decision oftentimes. So if you praise God long enough, who knows what will happen to you? Who knows what will happen to your heart? You might find yourself joyful, lighter, calmer, less anxious, patient, and kind. Who knows? These things called the fruit of the Spirit might end up coming out of your mouth and out of your life in all kinds of creative ways because the Spirit's actually committed to doing that in your life. And praise, in a lot of ways, is the fuel for the fruit of the Spirit. All right. Praise takes practice. That's one th reason I'm on common prayer so like persistently. That's what we're trying to do. We're just showing up. We use the same prayer book. It is mundane. It is repetitive. We pray for the same stuff almost every time. We pray for racial justice and political injustice in our country. Why? We're trying to repeat. We're trying to let our hearts follow our words and get caught up in God's rescuing work together. We're trying to repeat these prayers of praise together. Okay, last thing is this, praise God on Zoom. Okay, I, I, this is completely, um, I'm going to riff on this. I have, no, I have no notes in front of me for this. I, Zoom fatigue is real. I'm so tired of it. You're so tired of it. We're like tired of admitting that. It's like I'm tired of admitting that I'm tired of Zoom. 
and I know you're there too. It's like, okay, Matt, like I get it. Um, you're called to be a college student right now at Wofford College during COVID-19. And God has called you to steward your time right now, to steward your energy right now, to steward your relationships right now. And that includes a lot of things you're annoyed by right now. A lot of things that I'm annoyed by right now. And a lot of Zoom. And I want to just encourage you. I want to gently encourage you by saying, like, that is holy. Like, Zoom right now for you is like good stewardship of your resources by trying to be a good college student, a faithful, God-honoring, worshiping college student right now. It is not just at church. You are trying to glorify God by doing this thing called Zoom. You really are. It's beautiful. It doesn't mean you don't do it reluctantly with fatigue. Of course you do. But I want you to have a category for like, there is a holiness to opening up, opening up your computer screen to have office hours with your professor to get clarify, clarity on, a, on a, an assignment because you want to do well. You're trying to steward your time and your gifts and your resources well, okay? Um, I could go on. I, I'm not going to. I just I hope that you have other parts of your life that might seem very mundane and not holy. I want to say it's holy. It's holy. Worship is not for the pulpit. It's also for the kitchen. It's not just for a large group at McMillan on Tuesday nights or whatever we're doing here. It's in the classroom, okay? And you're in doing this, you're pointing away from yourself to the God who has rescued you. Let me pray and we'll break up into groups. Lord, we do um, thank you for your word and it, it being living and active. And th this is difficult. Um, praise and worship in these terms that we've been walking through in the Psalms, they are old words and we need you to like refresh those words for us that we might live into them with um, joy and excitement and that we might be compelled by this, especially when it comes to praising you when our feelings don't want to and trusting that it's good and that the repetition is good and trusting that this thing called Zoom and interacting with our brothers and sisters on the hall and in the classroom and the person we're ordering coffee from is just as holy as singing some praise song. Give us a category for this. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.